Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn it to James, the third chapter. Verse 2 is where we're going to start. And for those who are watching online, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We love you. We appreciate you. Can you put your hands together for them? Yeah. It's a good day because I brought my noodle. Props, man. Just make the sermon a lot better. And uh, this noodle, whether you know it or not, has the ability to change your life. So this is a message that you need to pay attention to. You need to take notes. You need to tattoo it on your wrist. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But you can if you want. But this is an important message. Last week, Randy dove into these verses, and I want to get right back into those same verses because not only is there power in our words, but there's power in what we allow ourselves to hear. Turn to the person next to you and say, what you hear is just as important as what you say. So James, the third chapter, starting in verse 2, the Bible says, for we all stumble in many ways, period. We could stop there and talk for hours about our stumbling and our failures and our shortcomings. Can I get an amen? amen? If you think that you are perfect, if you think that you do not have any problems, if you do not think that there is room for improvement in your life, then your failure is to see that you are self-righteous and that is your stumbling block. We all stumble in many ways and we need to, I, I, I thought about doing a whole message on this and maybe we will at some point, but we need to be okay with the fact that we're not okay. Because if we don't come to that awareness that we're not okay, what will happen is we'll come into a church environment like this in a church group and we will put on a facade to make you think that I am one way. I'll show you who I want to be. I'll show you who I believe I am. But really in the shadow, there's a whole bunch of mess going on and I cannot you got to get this. I cannot get help for my mess unless I'm willing to admit I've got a mess. Unless I'm willing to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you see and hear and know about all the things I do and say and think about in private. And it's some pretty jacked up stuff, Jesus. And I need healing. I need help. I need your Holy Spirit. And that's when you get room for healing in your life. But if you've always got this facade of I'm okay, what happens is we actually suppress those things in our life. It doesn't mean they disappear. We just suppress them. We just hide them. We put them deep down. And in those deep down dark places, it gives room for sin to run rampant in our life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Again, I could take hours just on that one thing right there. But the Bible says we all stumble in many ways. The Bible says we have all fallen short of the glory of God, which means we all need Jesus. There is none good but God. People say, well, I don't understand why bad things happen to good people. It's because you don't understand that there's no such thing as a good person. Does that hurt your feelings? Because you're not good. He's good. And it is his righteousness that I am clothed with. It is his blood that covers me. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place this morning. 
God's going to do some good. I thank Jesus for his blood that covers a multitude of my sins because they are many. And without him, I would have nothing. Without Jesus, I would be nothing. And the sooner we admit that, the sooner we'll start looking more and more and more like Jesus because that gives room for the Holy Spirit to take us through that sanctification process where he moves us towards the image and likeness of God. For we all stumble in many ways. Matthew, you stumble, brother. You need to know it. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses, now get this, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we actually can guide their whole bodies. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue. So James here, he mentions the bit in a horse's mouth that directs the course of the horse, of course, because it's a horse, of horse, of course, of course. How many of y'all remember that show? Yeah, yeah that's because you're old. <laughs> I watched it too, but it was when it was in the, the reruns, Nick at Night. Make it night. Not if you were watching it live, you're old. But we're glad that you're still here with us on here on earth. But he compares our tongue to that bit that's in the horse mouth that guides the horse, and then he compares our mouth to the rudder on a large boat that guides the boat. And then he says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. How many of you know that's true? A small word calls huge, huge, big fire. If you don't believe that, it's because you're not married yet. Your wife comes in and says, how do I look in this dress? You better say marvelous. And you better say it fast. Because your hesitation says a lot. Sometimes what you don't say speaks louder than what you actually are saying. So if she comes in and says, how do I look in this dress? And you go. Marvelous? Ain't going to cut it. You better be, you are smoking hot. You are fine as fine can be. I'm glad that God created for you for me. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for my wife. <laughs> now, let's skip down to verse 9. The Bible, James talking about the tongue, he says, With it, we bless our Lord and Father. That's good. And with it, same tongue, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. That's bad. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Somebody say, that should not be so in my life. So I got the pool noodle. Let's, let's talk about this a little bit. You know, really, the, the design of this pool noodle is, I guess, to float in a pool. And so you would do something, you would put it under your arms like this, and you would just float. Now, when you get a little comfortable with that, then you can do the next step, which this is, you know, a little more challenging, but you throw that noodle up behind you, and now this is what I call the back float. Now, now when you get, like, really confident, you can get two of these bad boys, put one behind your back, put the other up under your legs, and guess what? You've got the floating 
recliner. But that's for experts only. Make sure that you're a very strong swimmer before you try that. But these pool noodles, you know, they're designed to keep you afloat in the water, but really I guess they could be used for a lot of different things. I mean, in an emergency, it could be used as a life-saving device. Uh, I actually Googled 21 different ways that you could use a pool noodle. And they had everything from a doorstop to a portable toilet seat that you can use for camping. If you remember the barn doors that we used to have here at the church, we actually had a pool noodle behind them that was protecting the trim from the door. So there's a lot of different ways that this pool noodle can be used. But if you put it in the hands of a seven-year-old boy, it will become a weapon of mass destruction. Not only a seven-year-old boy, you put this thing in my hand and I'm in a pool, it becomes something completely different. Because I've got little girls, I've got three little daughters, and then all of my nieces, you know, we get in the pool and we start playing live action whack-a-mole. You know that game where the, the, you pop up and you bop them on the head? And so that's what we play in the pool. They, they pop up and I bop them in the head and it's a blast. And, the, and what, what you need to realize is this can be used for something constructive or it can be used for something destructive and it's the same thing. Somebody say the same thing. Same thing with your tongue. Uh, Tommy, will you come up here? Let's hear it for Temptation Tommy. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then uh, you just need to go back and watch our, our message on Temptation. But just Tommy, just step up here. Now, let's, let's think about this pool noodle as our tongue for a moment. Now, I can use the pool noodle or my tongue to bring healing, help, comfort, construction, or I can use it to bring destruction. And so I could come to Tommy and talk about, Tommy, you did such a wonderful job today as you were playing the bass. You're such a handsome man. Your beard grows in really nice. You know what, Tommy, you're a hard worker. There, you know what, to be honest, I don't know many people like Tommy. Tommy is the type of person, if you need help, he will drop what he's doing and he will come help you. I mean, that's one of his spiritual gifts, absolutely. He is a helper, he is a support, and I am so thankful, and this is from the bottom of my heart, I am so thankful that God has placed a person like Tommy in my life, and I'm thankful that he chose Tommy to be born for such a time as this so that he could be a part of Activation Church. Right? Yeah. That's good. But Tommy, I noticed today that when you were playing drums, you missed the beat. You missed the lick. I don't know what you were thinking. When you counted in that song, we told you don't count out loud. You know what? You know what time practice starts? 8 a.m. You know what time you strolled in? 8.05. You know why? Because you're a lazy bum. The Bible talks about if you take pride in sleep, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be broke. Same noodle. Different purpose. In one sense, I built Tommy up. In the other sense, I tore him down. Now get this. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, death and life finish for me are what? in the power of your tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit of it. Meaning, whatever you say is gonna produce a harvest and you're gonna to have to eat it. 
So if your tongue is producing bitterness, you're going to have to eat that bitterness. If your tongue is producing anger, you're going to have to eat that anger. If your tongue is producing hurt, one day you're going to have to eat that hurt. Why? Because seed time and harvest always works. And it can work for your good or it can work for your hurt and your harm. So our words are very powerful. We can use them to heal or we can use them to tear down. You know, the Bible says, well, actually the Bible doesn't say it, but it's a saying. It should have been in the Bible. No, I'm just kidding. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of you know that's a load of garbage? Words hurt. You know, see, a stick and a stone can bruise my bone for days or weeks, maybe even months. But words have the ability to bruise my soul for years and even decades. Thank you, Tommy. You can be sit, sit, sit down. And so I want you to hear this this morning because some of you are dealing with hurts that were spoken over you when you were a child. And maybe you have suppressed those emotions. Maybe you have repressed those emotions, but they are still there and they are still guiding your life and, and shaping how you deal with people, how you function in society. They are shaping more about you than you know. Why? Because words are powerful and the power of death and life are in your tongue. And we get to choose which way we're going to use it. We get to choose whether or not we'll use our words to help or bring pain, to encourage or discourage. You know, there's times on Monday mornings when I'm just, I'm wiped out, I'm tired. Mondays are often the worst day of the week for pastors. As a matter of fact, most pastors that quit the ministry quit on Monday. It's because they've, they've put in so much effort and energy and time through the week. There are spiritual battles that they're having to, to fight. And then they come and you give your all on a Sunday morning and you pour yourself out. And so now you're weak, you're empty. And Monday mornings you can be like really discouraged and think like, did I hit the mark? Did, did the people like it? Did the people accept it? And there's times on Mondays when I'm really discouraged and I'll go to my mom's house and I'll have coffee and breakfast with her. And I'll walk in and she'll say, son, I heard your message on podcasts or I watched you online and I thought that was a wonderful message. She says, it's probably the best sermon I've heard on that topic ever before. And I know she means that. And it's like, I know she's heard all of these phenomenal speakers. And so that encourages me. It builds me up. It gives me the strength I need to keep on going. Why? Because words are powerful. Turn to the person next to you and say, they're powerful. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, verse 4, it says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. Think about that. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. It produces life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So the question is, before we go any further today, how do you use your tongue? Think about it. That's a question I have to ask myself. That's a question that my wife will remind me of often. How do we use our tongue? See, a few weeks ago we talked about temptation. 
And whenever we talk about temptation, we automatically go to the big sins in our mind. You know, we, we start thinking about lust and adultery and, and murder and stealing and lying. We think about all that stuff. But what are you tempted to say? Hello? Are you tempted to speak negative over your life, over your family, over your community, over your city, over your state, over your nation? Are you tempted to gossip? Are you tempted to spread rumors whether or not they may be true? And did you know even if it is true, it gives you no room to talk about it? The Bible says if you're spiritual and you find someone who has fallen or messed up, if you're spiritual, you know what you do? You restore that person with a spirit of gentleness or a spirit of meekness. But we've gotten this wrong in the church. And we find those that mess up and we throw our daggers at them. I've seen it happen. There's a, there's a minister of the gospel who is dead now. And he did some jacked up stuff when he, when he was alive. And it doesn't make it right. But we as Christians should not tear down. And if they're still alive, we should be there to restore them so that they can find help. Because if we don't restore them to where they find help, we make them an outcast to where now they have to live in isolation where there is no hope. There is no help. See, the, the, the church is a community, a family. And if you mess up, you're still welcome in this family. It doesn't mean that we are okay with your sin. It doesn't mean that what you did was okay. You need help, but we're here for you in the process so that you can get the help. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So I need to, when somebody stumbles or when somebody fails or falls, I need to be quick to let them know, hey, you can make it. That, that, that's not who you are. That's not a part of your identity. That's just a mistake. That's just something that you tripped on, up on, but you can get help. You can make it. You see what I'm saying? I can use my tongue and my words to build up and encourage. Words are powerful. Somebody say words are powerful. Not just what I say, but also what I hear. See, I can't allow every voice I hear to get into my heart. Think about that. You can't allow everything that is said to you or about you to get into your heart. The Bible says, again, in Proverbs 4, verse 23, keep your heart. That means guard your heart with all vigilance, for from its flow the springs of life. Did you get that? You've got to guard your heart because your heart will guide your life. Words enter your ear, but they settle into your heart. And whatever you allow in here will direct the course of your life. So you have to learn to guard your heart. And you have to, you have to determine what you're going to allow to stick and stay. Because just because I hear it doesn't mean it has to stick. It only sticks if I believe it. So if someone says you're dumb and you don't believe you're dumb, that doesn't get to stick. That doesn't get to stay. You know how many people in my life have told me you'll never make it, you'll never amount to anything? But I have because I didn't allow it to stick 
or stay. I knew the truth. So we need to learn how to differentiate between what is truth according to God's word and what is trash. Because if I'm hearing you're worthless and you don't matter, you're just an accident. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have heard that before? Like your parents said, we, we didn't even want you. You were an accident. And they make you feel like you're a burden on them. And so you live your whole life thinking that you shouldn't even be here, that you're just a burden. And so now you feel like you're a burden on everyone that you come into contact with. That's because you heard it, you believed it, and you allowed it to stick. But when I know that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, when I know that God knew me before he formed me in my mother's womb, then I don't buy into the lie or the deception. And deception only has power over those who believe the deceiving word. So I've got to learn how to guard my heart. When I was a kid, there was a person that I looked up to musically. And I found out that behind my back, they were talking terrible about me. They were talking about, you know, he's no good. He's trying to do this. He's trying to sound like this person. All this garbage. And I could have chosen to believe that and give up. But instead, I used that negative voice to fuel my passion and my desire. And I practiced. And I practiced. And I practiced. And I practiced until I got very, very good at it. Are you seeing that? So it's important to not believe every voice you hear. It's important to not believe everything that you read on social media. It's important to not believe everything that you see on the news. Or hear what I'm saying? Allow the voice of God to lead your life and direct your life. Allow his voice and godly counsel to be the voice that leads you into your future and into your purpose. Truth or trash. So when I hear something, I need to automatically go, okay, is this truth or is this trash? Is it truth or is it trash? Well, you're ugly. Well, that's trash. Because I've looked at myself in the mirror. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a beautiful man. Well, I don't think so, Pastor. Well, it's because you've got a problem with your eyes. I'm beautiful to somebody. Miss Ann, that's my, that's, my, that's my girl over there. She just had a birthday. Love you too, Ann. And you're beautiful to me. Rick, I'm married. No, don't worry. It's being friendly. It's his mom. But no, my point is this. Like, you may not think that I'm beautiful, but God thinks I'm beautiful. There are people in this world that think I'm beautiful, so I'm going to choose to believe I'm beautiful. You may think I'm stupid, but I don't believe I'm stupid. God doesn't believe I'm stupid, so why am I going to buy into that? Why am I going to allow that to shape my life? Because you will actually hinder where you can go in life based upon what you believe about yourself. I believe I can't make it, so I actually set myself up to fail or to never try. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have never tried something because you automatically thought, well, I'll just fail? That's in your mind. Somebody, somebody somewhere planted that within your heart and your mind, and now you're eating the fruit of what you allowed to stick. So what I need to do is, I, I actually do need to go through this process in my life, and you need to go through this process in your life, where you start recalling some of these hurtful voices, and you need to ask God to heal you. 
you need to ask God to create within you his image and his identity so that you can walk in the purpose for which he created you for. Are you seeing that? So stop allowing the things that have been said about you or that are currently being said about you to guide your heart and your life. Words are powerful. Not just what you say, but what you hear. Now, let's look at choosing the right words. So if I'm going to choose the right words, the first thing I need to learn is I need to learn how to speak life to myself. Somebody say life to myself. See, it's great when you've got a cheering section. It's great when you've got friends going, hey, you can make it. It's great when you've got parents and grandparents to go, hey, I'm so proud of you. You can make it. You can do anything. But that's not always going to be the case. And sometimes you're going to find yourself in life all alone, and the only voices that are surrounding you are the negative voices saying, hey, you're not going to make it. And I've got to learn how to encourage myself. I've got to learn how to speak life over myself. We see this with King David. If you go to 1 Samuel, I believe it's the 30th chapter, you can read where the town that they were staying in was, it was taken over by an enemy army. They burned the town, and then they took all of the women and children out. So when they come back, not only does David have to deal with the emotion of, I've just lost my women, I've just lost my children, but we've lost our stuff, and our town is burned. Like, that's a bad day. How many of you agree that's a bad day? Now to top it off, the men that are with him, that should be for him, that should be supporting him, that should be championing him, that should be saying, it's okay, David, you're a man after God's own heart. You're a mighty warrior. Let's go and get our stuff back. Instead, they're going, hey, let's kill David. This is his fault. And the Bible says he was greatly distressed. That means he had a lot of pressure. He had a lot of stuff on his mind. But he did something phenomenal. Instead of getting into a pity party, instead of putting on that old mixtape that had all the songs that made him even more sad than he is now. How many of y'all have done that before? I did it last night. I'm laying in bed. I put my earphones in. And I started, I started YouTubing uh, around and, and I came across the singer that I like. And so I clicked on a song and I started listening. And then I remembered another song that they did that I used to really like. And I started listening. And then my mind started wandering and reminiscing and I started getting depressed, you know, because I missed that time of my life and all this stuff. And I was like, wait, that's junk. I need to stop. And so I flipped the script and turned on some worship and started listening to some worship as I went to sleep. So David didn't like hit the, the you know, the, the, the B-sides, the sad, the sad songs in his life. Instead, the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. I can make it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If he's called me to it, then he's empowered me for it. Did you hear that? If he's called me to it, he's empowered me for it. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me and speaks those negative words, it's going to be condemned. It's going to wither up. It's going to cleave to the roof of the mouth. I'm going to make it because I am more than a conqueror. The Bible says that I am above and not beneath. I'm going to move forward and never backwards. I'm only going to increase in my life, and I'm never going to decrease. I speak life over myself. That's a powerful thing that you can do within your prayer time, too, by the way. Speak life over yourself. I'm going to live. 
I'm going to have peace in my mind because God says I can have peace in my mind. I'm going to have joy in my life because God says I can have joy in my life. That's how I'm going to live. I'm going to live with peace. I'm going to live with joy. And when those moments come and I start to get down, instead of feeding that negativity in my life, I'm going to begin to encourage myself. I'm going to make it. Alan, you're going to make it. Your past does not determine your future. God determines your future. And if you'll follow him, he'll lead you where you need to go. That's how I'm going to speak over myself. But if you get real honest, how do you talk about you? Because sometimes you are your worst critic. And I'm not talking about not being honest with yourself. But don't be down on yourself. If there's an area that needs improvement, own it. I need to improve here. But God, I believe that I'm going to improve. I believe I'm going to get better. I believe that you're going to help me. I believe that you're going to strengthen me. I believe that you're going to do what, for me what I cannot do for myself. I believe that everything's going to be okay. So we speak encouragement and proper words to ourselves. Secondly, we need to speak life to others. Someone say, speak life to others. Speak life to others. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So my words can give grace to those who hear who are hearing because I'm using them to build up. How many times do we get, and I'm talking to myself here, so don't think that I'm up here thinking like, oh, I've got all this, I've got this thing together, because I don't. But how many times do we just ramble off on meaningless conversation or take the conversation somewhere it shouldn't go instead of using our words to build up, to encourage, to strengthen? How many times do we come to church and we just stand around and we just, you know, Yak around instead of talking about, man, today's going to be a phenomenal day. I just believe that God's going to do something incredible in my life. I've got some needs, and I'm trusting that God's going to do something amazing. And did you know that will actually change your church experience? Yeah. I don't really have time to dive into that and teach that, but it will change how you experience church when you come in with a great expectation of God's going to meet me at the point of my need today. When I pray through the week for our church and over our leadership, I'm praying, God, I need you to give your word to our leadership so that they can release your word to me, a word that will help, a word that will encourage, a word that will strengthen, a word that will meet me at the point of my need. God, I know that when I come to you in worship, God, I know that your presence is going to be there, and I know that I need your presence. That will change the way we do church. So we need to speak life to others, which means some of you are going to need to learn how to bite your tongue. And some of you will need to learn to bite it until it bleeds. Because you'll want to say it. But you know what Thumper says in the movie Bambi? If you don't have something nice to say, then don't say it at all. Think about that. If you don't have something good to say, it'd be better for you just to be silent. My uh, great-grandfather used to say, always think, 10 times before you speak. Does this encourage? Does this build up? Is what I'm about to say necessary? Again, this is something that we have to allow the Holy Spirit to develop in our life. This isn't something that we discipline on our own. 
we discipline ourselves by surrendering to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to convict us. How many of you have ever said something and right when you said it, you feel that, I shouldn't have said that. I've done that before, like where I've said something about someone and immediately jumps up and it's like, I shouldn't have said that, God forgive me. And then I start thinking like, do I really feel about that, about that person? Because if I do, then there's something in me that's wrong that needs some healing. Because sometimes I'm projecting some negativity that's going on in here on someone else. Here's another good one. When you think something good, say it. When you think something good, say it. When your woman looks good, say, you look good. When your man does something good around the house, say, you did a great job. Don't just think that others assume it. We can't just assume that people know how we feel about them. I can't just assume that Randy thinks that I think that he did a good job speaking last week. So afterwards, I said, man, you did a great job. You did good. My mom called him, said, Randy, you did a great job today. That's important. You know, I've, I've told many of you around here how thankful I am for you and for the things that you do, and I truly mean that. I know that this church thing is about all of us working together, serving together, and giving together. And so I am grateful for you, and I pray for you often. I pray for your families. I pray, I pray because I want you to increase, and I want to use my words to build your life. There was a, uh, a friend of mine who, when his daughter was little, they said she had a learning disability. And they said that she'll struggle through school, she'll have to be in special programs. And he heard what they said, but instead of feeding into that, he chose that he was going to start speaking life over her. And so he found a scripture in the book of Daniel where it talks about Daniel being 10 times better 10 times wiser than everyone else. And he started declaring this over his children. I declare that you're going to be 10 times wiser. I declare that you're going to have 10 times favor. And he actually, this became a routine in his prayer life and speaking it over him. Well, guess what? When his daughter began, came to graduate, she graduated top seven in her class. Because God's word works. Whose report are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? The next thing is we speak life to our circumstances. Say circumstances. So to ourselves, to others, to circumstances. Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus says, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. We have to learn that our faith is a vocal faith. Our faith is a vocal faith. Our faith is a vocal faith. We declare what we believe. Are you hearing that? So Jesus says, Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, that's faith, somebody say faith, it will be done for him. So there's two things I want you to see here. First thing is, faith is necessary. Somebody say faith is necessary. So if I do not believe what I am saying, it is, it's not going to do anything for me. So my words have to come into alignment with God's word. So I'm not just making stuff up. I'm not just blabbing and grabbing and naming and claiming it. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about 
When I feel down, when I feel discouraged, when I feel like I'm not good enough, I say, you know what? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's a truth in his word. So I say that over myself and I believe that and so that alters my life. That's just one example. So faith is important because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay, so you have to have faith. The reason so many of us can attract negative things into our life is because we actually believe the negative we're speaking. When we talk about our husband being a loser, we actually believe that he's a loser. When we talk about our fear and the things that are going to come upon us, we actually believe they're going to come upon us. And our fear is faith. I've taught taught you all this before. Fear is faith in the wrong direction. And so we actually believe what we're saying, and that's why we're attracting these things into our life. The economy's going down. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm probably going to lose everything. Well, you believe that. Hello? It'd be better for me not to say anything at all. So when I speak, I need to not just speak what's good and what's in alignment with God's word, but I have to have faith. Faith is necessary. Second thing I want you to see here is God is, Jesus is not talking about just moving geographical things like a mountain. He's using this as an object lesson to say whatever obstacle that stands in your way, speak to it with faith. If it is a physical mountain that's in your way, you could speak to that mountain and it would be moved. Did you know, uh, I was listening to a friend of mine minister the other day and he received some, some writings of Marco Polo. And he was over in this country, and in this country, it was a Muslim country, and there were some Christians there, and they decided, we're gonna kill the Christians, unless they can tell that mountain to move. Because we read in their Bible, if they say to the mountain, and you know, be moved to cast the sea. So, unless that mountain's a move, we're killing you. So they found a guy, he's a cobbler, he was a shoemaker. They found him, they went to him, they knew he was a believer, And he went and spoke to that mountain. And they watched that mountain. Now, Marco Polo's writings say that they watched that mountain move back a great distance. Now, later, some of our, uh, I don't know who it was, but the military, they did some some, uh, surveying of the land over there. And they saw, they said, there must have been a massive earthquake at some point in time because there was a mountain here that's moved a mile back. See that? So it could, be, it could be a physical thing, but I want to see it also as those obstacles in my life. What is a challenge in my life? And what am I saying about it? Is my obstacle very big? Is my obstacle going to crush me? Or is my obstacle an opportunity for God to move? That was the difference between King David and everyone else in the camp when it came to Goliath. Everyone else talked about how big Goliath was. David talked about, he's so big, I can't miss him. My God's so good that he's going to fall. That mountain's coming down in my life. So I need to start speaking faith over my circumstances. It may not look good in the natural, but I believe that God is in control. I believe that things are going to change for my favor. I believe this. See, even with what we see going on in our world right now and in our nation right now, we've got to be careful what we say. As Christians... We have to be careful what we say because we have power in our words. Or our world's just going to hell in a handbasket. Why, why would you claim that? 
I may not like what's going on, but I believe that God is in control. I believe that Jesus is a king seated on his throne, and he is going to work everything according to his will and purpose. And so instead of complaining about everything that's going on, I'm going to come to him and pray, and I'm going to start declaring that the blood of Jesus is going to wash our nation. I declare that deception in our world is going to fall and that truth will prevail. I declare that although sin may be running rampant, that his grace will much more abound. That's, that's how, that's how I, I need to be talking about things. See, we've got to be careful what we're saying, how we're typing. Do you not realize, if you go on in the book of James, and Randy talked about it last week, the Bible says Elijah was a man just like you or I. He was a human being. He was not a supernatural being. He was like you or I. Had a nature like ours is what the Bible says. Yet he prayed. And he turned off the rain for three and a half years because he prayed about it. He didn't complain about Jezebel. He didn't complain about Ahab. He didn't complain about all the stuff that's going on in his world. He prayed and he spoke and he got a word from God and he declared that word from God and the rain stopped. Stop complaining about what's going on in your life and start declaring God's word. Start speaking life and hope and joy and strength. And as your word comes into alignment with his word and spoken with faith, you'll see things change. That's what real prayer is. Real prayer is not just us coming to God for our needs and our desires. There is a place for that in our prayer. But real prayer is declaring what God's word says. That's why it's powerful to get into the book of Psalms. And as you're reading through the Psalms, begin to pray those things over your life. Begin to sing those things over your life. It'll not only change your prayer life, but it'll change the way you live. God's gonna give me a spirit, a garment of praise instead of my spirit of heaviness. And I, God, I'm just thanking you right now for that garment of praise coming about uh, on me because I see how good you are. And I thank you for everything that you've done in my life and for my family. Lord, you said that you'll put a hedge of protection. God, you put a hedge of protection around Job and his family. And today, God, I'm thanking you for putting a hedge of protection around me and my family. I thank you that evil will not come near me nor my dwelling. I thank you that all the deadly pestilence has to stop at the door. See, I'm not just throwing stuff out in the air. I'm speaking his word. And I hate when people challenge this because you don't know what you're talking about. Again, this is not name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. I'm not saying I'm going to drive a Porsche this time next year because I'm probably not. Let's just be honest. But I can't say I'm blessed and highly favored. I can say that God will supply all of my needs. Everything that I need will come into my hand. God will bless me to be a blessing. God will strengthen me. God will cause health to come into my body. God will cause health to come into my family. Amen. Would you stand with me? This is one of those sermons that I could go on and on with because I love this stuff. I've seen the power of it in my life. This whole church, this whole building, this whole building project is a product 
of learning how to declare God's word. When people said it was impossible, you won't be able to build, you won't be able to expand on that property, I declared that our property would produce, that we'll be fruitful, that we'll be able to grow. And guess what? God allowed it. And if it didn't happen, that means God's got somewhere else better for us. So that's my perspective on things. It's always gonna, it's, there's always something God has for me. So if it's not working out in the direction that I'm wanting it to go, I'm okay with that because I believe that God has something better for me. So Father, I pray for every person that's in this place today and I ask that you would touch them and meet them at the point of their need. Father, for many who are in the room, they have the seeds of negativity that was planted in them at a young age by voices that should have encouraged them, yet they discouraged them. These voices told them that they were worthless. These voices told them that they meant nothing. These voices put them down, and it's caused resentment in some areas. It's caused pain. It's caused hurt. And today, God, we ask that you would first and foremost deal with that place. Deal with that place inside of us of hurt. Bring healing to us, God, in our inner man. Holy Spirit, create the image of Christ in our life and on our life. Help us to see our worth and our value. Help us to know that no matter what people have done to us, that does not alter what you've called to us. So bring healing to the inner man. God, touch those deep places in our life that we're not even aware of because we've repressed it so far down deep. God, touch those places today and bring healing. Lord, transform us completely. Transform us completely. Father, for those who are sick in their body, today we ask that you would bring healing in Jesus' name. Father, I ask that you would touch Martin today. God, allow him to see himself the way that you see him. Lord, help him to know that he is not what others have said. He is not the things he's done. He's not the labels that others have tried to place on him but he is a child of God, the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Because as we receive you, Jesus, we receive new life. We receive your nature. So Father, the things that are trying to hinder him, the things that are trying to fight against him, God, bring healing to those areas. Lord, let your voice be loud on the inside of him. Lord, use him for your purpose. Use him for your glory. Lord, use him to win those who he has influence over. We thank you, Jesus, for touching us. We thank you for healing us. We thank you for helping us today. God, take us to a new level. Drive out sickness. Drive out disease. Lord, protect our home. Protect our family. Protect our friends. God, bless our church and cause us to grow. Let us be an example and a light. Let this be a place where your presence is always felt. In Jesus' name, amen.